Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome in. After two long weeks, welcome to episode 61 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. It's been a long time. I've missed this. And it's it's just been really hectic, man. I've had so much to do over the past couple of weeks. Uh, exams. Uh, we've put together our sales team for our big event that WMCO is hosting, our radio station is hosting. And I've been doing so much with that, and it's just been so stressful. I, I can't catch a break, it seems like. But we're on spring break now for all this week. It's on. We're on a Monday here, March 4th. I'm so glad that I get this week off to just kind of decompress and finally get an episode out. Uh, this weekend, I kind of took some time to de-stress and I, I went snowboarding with a couple buddies of mine. Um, for And that was an amazing experience. Going snowboarding is one of the most fun things you could ever do. I fell on my butt a lot. My butt was very sore the next day. My knees were killing me. But... Oh gosh, it was so fun and I felt like I picked it up kind of fast. My friends did a great job of showing me the way, teaching me, telling me what what to do and what not to do and gosh, it was so awesome. Um I was supposed to have a birthday party for my younger brother, my my little brother yesterday and that got canceled because we got some snow in 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 Ohio where we live. Um but we're on a Monday here, finally getting an episode out, and just gl- I'm glad to be back, and, and hopefully you guys are, are sticking with me. I know I've been inconsistent of late, but let's jump into the episode. The two biggest free agents in the MLB have finally been signed. Manny Machado signed a 10-year, $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres, and Bryce Harper signed a 13-year, $330 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. I will say this about the Manny Machado deal. I don't think this is this is not going to do much baseball-wise. This isn't going to hang banners, you know, bring in Manny Machado. And he's one of the best players in baseball. He's really, really good. But that team is not good enough to do a lot in terms of the playoffs. To me, this was more a kind of a marketing ploy than it was about winning. Of course, you're going to win more games with Manny Machado. You might win 10 more games. But really, this is just going to change how many seats are filled. You know, Being in San Diego, you're in California. You're going to fill up the seats with Manny Machado on the roster, in the lineup. That's going to fill a lot of seats, and that's going to make the San Diego Padres a lot of money. It seemed like, even though 10 years, $300 million is a massive deal, like that's a lot of money, you think about it, they're going to make, that team's going to make a lot more money just based on ticket sales alone. You're going to fill seats. You're going to put butts in seats. Manny Machado may not change the outcome of the Padres' season, because it just there there's so much that goes into a team than just one player but he's going to change the outlook of the team he's going to they're going to be 
a a more popular team, they're going to fill the seats. They, they'll probably add, you know, five to ten ten thousand more fans in the, in those seats. I mean, this was more of a marketing ploy by the San Diego Padres than it was about winning because Manny Machado is not going to change your overall uh, win loss record at the end of next season. You might win. 10 more games because of Manny Machado. Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies. Obviously, this makes the Philadelphia Phillies the favorites in the NL East, um, I would assume. Uh, 13 years, $330 million. Usually when baseball players sign a deal that big, they have an opt-out clause after maybe four or five seasons, and then they can be eligible for a new deal. Bryce Harper's deal no trade clause, and there's no opt-out clause. So he's literally locked in for really the rest of his career. Locked in for 13 years, and he's going to make $330 million. But the way they structured this deal, you know, Manny Machado's making $30 million a year, 10 years, $300 million. Bryce Harper, he's only going to be making $25 million a year which allows the Phillies to go out and try and get Mike Trout when Mike Trout's on the market here pretty soon. I don't think they would be able to land Mike Trout. I don't think Mike Trout's going to leave the LA Angels. But it would be interesting if they could land the two best players in baseball, Bryce Harper and Mike Trout. Now, I'm not sure if the Phillies are the favorite in the NL East. I think odds makers probably have them as that, but I think the Atlanta Braves have a far better constructed roster. They have they have a lot more young, talented players, a lot better prospects and and young stars that really were really good last year. I think those two teams are going to be fighting for for the uh, the top spot in the NL East, but I think those two teams will likely both make the playoffs, one as a wild card. But Bryce Harper to the Phillies, that's that's big time for them. And that team, the Phillies were close last year. They were hanging with the Braves until the last 30 games of the season, and then they fell off. Having Bryce Harper, that might, they might be able to to make a better push and stay up there near the top throughout the course of an entire season. And it was interesting. It was pretty funny, actually. And his his press conferences, when he first signed, he said he was going to, he was uh, excited to bring a title back to D.C. And, of course, he left the Washington Nationals for the Philadelphia Phillies. So, big slip up there. But, I mean, the guy's been there for his entire career, and then he now finally decides to move. So I understand the mistake. You've been with the team for your entire career, and it's just only natural to say that. But the two biggest players in the MLB off the market with brand new teams, it's going to change the outlook of the MLB. So on to the NFL. Quite a lot of stuff going on in the NFL, actually. Um... This is kind of old news, but I, 
I've been gone for so long that I would like to kind of touch on it a little bit at least. Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, if you don't know, uh, he was there was a warrant put out for his arrest for solicitation allegations, solicitation of prostitution allegations at a spa, I'm guessing in the, I think it was in the New England area, may not have been, I don't know where exactly, but he was charged with solicitation of prostitution. And right now, in that case, he's pleading not guilty, um, but... He's a, he's a man with a lot of money and a lot of power, and he probably thought he, I mean, if these allegations are true, he probably thought he could just use his power and money and just who he is to get what he wants, which is usually what people of power try to do is get everything they want. But yeah, that's, that's not a, that's not a very good thing for Robert Kraft. That's pretty bad. It's, uh, I don't even know what else. Is, I don't even know what to say. I mean, that's pretty egregious, and I don't know. I don't know, but we'll see what happens with that situation. He's pleading not guilty. Uh, it happened, I believe, the day of the AFC Championship game. The AFC Championship game was in Kansas City, so actually, might if he was at the game, then it would have been in Kansas City, likely. Um, I don't, I don't know, but, or maybe it was on the flight before he flew to Kansas city. Who knows? I don't know. But needless to say, this is a pretty bad situation for Robert Kraft. He's, this doesn't put him in a very glorifying light, but we'll see what happens with it. I think the biggest news of the last week Jason Witten is leaving the Monday Night Football booth and he's going to return to the NFL and he's going to return to the Dallas Cowboys on a one-year deal worth $5 million. So that's, if you think about it, that's huge for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm kind of surprised he's leaving the Monday Night Football booth. You're leaving a broadcasting job that you just got and you're, you're making $5 million a year already to not get hit. You get to talk about it. You get to talk about anything football related during games. I mean, that's the dream right there. So I'm su- I'm surprised he's leaving it. Although many would argue he wasn't very good at it. It's still a job, and he's st- he's still the one with the job. And it would have been a tough decision to to leave that. But he said that his desire to play is just burning too strong. And I kind of sensed that when he left, it was kind of abrupt. It just didn't seem like he was leaving, if you know what I mean. Like, he just kind of announced it out of nowhere. No one was ready for it. And I think it was because he had that ESPN job lined up. I don't think he would have left had he had that job lined up. But I think he realized, I'm not that great at this. I still want to play football. Let's go return to the Cowboys. But this is huge for the Cowboys because they're actually getting a tight end with a pulse. <laughs> I mean, as what Stephen A. Smith said, they're actually getting a tight end who actually has a pulse, one that will actually show up. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to get you, you know, 100 catches a year and 10 touchdowns. He's a guy that's going to be huge on third down. He'll have 50 catches, 
for about 400, 500 yards. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna be huge on third down. He's gonna make clutch touchdown catches late in the season, and he's a veteran presence. He's an outstanding leader, and that's something that this young Cowboys team needs is leadership because they're just they're young, really, all across the board. They're one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And if you think about it, this really addresses a need for the Dallas Cowboys. So now they don't have to focus on tight end going into free agency or the draft. Tyler Eifert would have been a nice option, but I think Jason Witten's more reliable. He's going to be hopefully healthier, touch wood, knock on wood. But Tyler Eifert would have been more dynamic, but I think Jason Witten provides more stability. Although he's not going to be as explosive. Um, but needless, regardless, you don't have to address that in free agency anymore. You don't have to address that in the draft. Maybe you want to draft a young guy. Who knows? Um, but like that would be late in, late draft, late in the round. Late in the draft, if I can talk. Um, and you can focus on other needs. Like the Cowboys have some needs at defensive tackle and defensive end that they can address because Randy Gregory has been suspended again. David Irving suspended again. And there's no new deal for DeMarcus Lawrence yet. So they might be replacing, you know, three guys on that defensive line. And, you know, there's a need at safety as well. And they're looking to go after Earl Thomas. Like there's some, without that first round pick, the one they traded for Amari Cooper, they're, they're, and now that they have their tight end, they're going to need to shift their focus towards the defense, get some defensive linemen and ends, edge rushers. Maybe focus on the secondary a little bit as in terms of safety. And then offensively, I think you need another offensive lineman because they struggled for most of the year last year. Connor Williams is not very good. Lyle Collins, I think, would be better suited at left guard. Honestly, if they just switched Lyle Collins and Connor Williams put Connor Williams at a right tackle and Lyle Collins in a left guard. I think it would be, they would be better off. Um, but I think this makes the Cowboys more offensively well-rounded because they didn't have a consistent tight end last year, a consistent threat. Blake Jarwin emerged late in the year at three touchdowns in week 17 against the Giants in a game that didn't matter. And really, you know, Jeff Swaim got hurt after like week four, Dalton Schultz is a blocking tight end, not a receiving tight end. Having Jason Witten, who's actually going to run good routes and make good clutch catches, who he catches everything. It's going to change everything for the Cowboys. It's going to make them more uh, balanced offensively. And it's going to make them a bigger threat in the NFC to challenge for that Super Bowl crown in 2019. Jason Witten returning to the Cowboys. It's a big move. Um, so moving along, um, the Philadelphia Eagles, they decided not to tag Nick Foles. They did not want to put that franchise tag on him. They're letting him go into free agency. And right now the Jacksonville Jaguars are the only ones that have 
uh, expressed any kind of interest in signing him. And the Jags, right now, once the new league year starts here pretty soon, the Jags are really the only ones on the board to to sign Nick Foles, and that's where he's expected to sign is with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a starter. And then the Jags are going to consequently cut uh, Blake Bortles. I think this is obviously better for the Jacksonville Jaguars because, I mean, Blake Bortles is not a good quarterback. Yeah, he was good in 2018, but this past season, not very good. He got benched for Cody Kessler. I mean, that's just... Yeah, Cody Kessler is not good. So bringing in Nick Foles, I think Nick Foles... He's probably not going to be as good as he was in Philly because he's so good in that system. He, he's really good in that Philly system and he just knows how to play with those guys. So I don't think he's going to be as good. But I think he's certainly a mid-level starter in this league. He's a guy similar to Case Keenum who kind of is a journeyman. He's going to, He's good enough to start for some teams but he's probably not going to stay anywhere long and he's not going to, he's not going to be a top tier guy and he's going to be barely a mid tier guy, but he's certainly better than Blake Bortles. I think anyone is at this point. And I think it's, it's going to be good for their young receivers to have a veteran quarterback. You know, it's going to be good for guys like DJ Chark, Marquise Lee to have a better thrower of the football, a better leader in the locker room. I'm kind of surprised no one else has, has kind of bit on Nick Foles. I figured the Giants might have thrown their hat in there, the Redskins, especially since they don't have Alex Smith. I mean, bringing in Nick Foles for a year or two wouldn't be bad. I would certainly do it if I didn't have a quarterback. But if I have a top pick in the draft, then maybe I would want to pass on Nick Foles and go get a young guy. But right now the Jags are in line to sign Foles. Probably wouldn't have been my prediction. I would have predicted the Giants to go and get him. But they have the number six pick in the draft, and right now they're in prime position to land one of the, the draft's top quarterbacks. So we'll see how it shakes out. But right now Nick Foles to the Jags, that's most likely. Um, Jalen Ramsey though said that he still wants the team to draft a quarterback and it seems like he wants Dwayne Haskins because Dwayne Haskins also he kind of commented on Jalen's comment this was, this was on Instagram and just did that eyes emoji um, so maybe Dwayne Haskins could be drafted by the Jags if the Jags trade up the Jags would have to trade up to go get him because the Giants are in front, but we'll see. I don't think Dwayne Haskins would be a fit in Jacksonville. I think he would fit better on a team like the Giants. All right, so this Antonio Brown situation is just a total mess right now. Um. I don't know what's going to happen as far as trade, what team he's going to go to. My prediction was the 49ers, but nothing's kind of materialized. So I don't think anything's going to happen with that right now. Um, but Antonio Brown did an interview 
He's done multiple interviews, talked about the mess that's going on in Pittsburgh. Um, and Larry Fitzgerald kind of chimed in on this. Larry Fitzgerald feels that Antonio Brown is not handling this situation the right way. I agree. I don't think Antonio Brown has handled it the right way. Antonio Brown is claiming he's the grown-up on all of this, but really there's times where he's the grown-up, but really he's, you know, he's the one that's posting all of this on social media all the time. He's doing Facebook live videos, Instagram live, whatever the case may be. He just hasn't handled it well, and he he kind of bailed on his team. He wasn't showing up to practices. Oh, and actually, breaking news. The Broncos, Raiders, and Cardinals have all expressed interest in Antonio Brown. That just came across on my phone, and a deal is expected to be done with one of those teams within the next month. So let me let me look at that real quick. Antonio Brown has drawn enough interest from the Raiders, Broncos, and Cardinals to be traded before March 17th. Okay, before March 17th, so within the next two weeks. Antonio Brown could be on the Broncos, Raiders, or Cardinals. Cardinals was another team that I thought was a possible uh, scenario. Kind of funny that we're talking about Larry Fitzgerald and the Cardinals and Antonio Brown. Um, But anyways... Larry Fitzgerald was right. Antonio Brown has publicized a lot of things via Facebook, social media, about the team. He's has not answered phone calls. He's not returned phone calls. He doesn't show up to games or practices. And I know he's not the only guilty one on the team in terms of drama. Big Ben is probably the biggest culprit. Big Ben's the biggest diva on the team and doesn't get he doesn't receive any kind of blame he kind of everything just he just gets away with everything but I so I understand Antonio Brown's frustration but he's also not handled it the way he should and you know Larry Fitzgerald said that Antonio Brown should consider himself lucky that he's been able to play with Big Ben for his entire career Antonio Brown has 70-plus touchdown receptions, and every single one of them have been thrown by Antonio Brown, or by by Big Ben Roethlisberger. Larry Fitzgerald has caught touchdown passes from 15 different quarterbacks. The two main ones, Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer, and then you have a ton of other guys who were, some were decent, some were not very good. Um... You have six from Josh Rosen. Like Larry Fitzgerald has been successful with a lot of quarterbacks, and he hasn't had any consistency. He just, like there's been he's had Palmer and and uh, Warner for like most consistently. He had them for at least a couple of seasons, but then after that, he just hasn't had any kind of consistency with quarterback play. And he's been as successful as he has. And that's really tough to do. And I'm sure Larry Fitzgerald would love to have had Big Ben for his entire career. Because Larry Fitzgerald arguably would be the best receiver of all time. If he had a consistent quarterback. I mean. He's got a very fair point. Because Antonio Brown should be lucky that he has a quarterback like Antonio Brown. God, I've done it. I did it again. Like Big Ben. 
I've said Antonio's name too much and I keep saying it. <laughs> um, but we'll see what happens in the next two weeks, though. Broncos, Raiders, Cardinals. My prediction out of those three teams is the Arizona Cardinals. They're going to want to get a weapon for Josh Rosen. And the Broncos, they have Joe Flacco, but I don't see them being able to trade for Antonio Brown. The Raiders, they have a lot of draft capital. They could be a team that would be willing to do that, but they would have to give up a first rounder. And I'm not sure if the Raiders are going to be willing to do that. Uh, but speaking of draft, uh, the the scouting combine is currently going on. Um, Kyler Murray has decided not to throw at the combine. He's going to only throw at his pro day and do all the workouts there. Um, whether that's a good move or not, I don't know. I don't like the scouting combine anyways. I think it's really a waste of time for the most part because it doesn't do anything related to real game-like football. Everything is done without pads and helmets. Quarterbacks throw routes with no coverage on the receivers. Um, the 40-yard dash is run without pads. It should be run with pads because when are you ever running in a game without pads on? I don't like the combine. I think there's a lot of drill. I've talked about this before in a previous episode. It needs to be changed the way it's done. Uh, there need to be drills that incorporate coverage on receivers. You wear pads. You And it's got to be made harder to judge. Because right now you're just judging quarterbacks based on mechanics, not on actual accuracy with coverage on the receiver. So... I don't know. But anyways, Kyler Murray is deciding not to throw. The Ole Miss wide receiver, DJ Metcalf, it just absolutely destroyed the combine. He's 6'3", 227 pounds. He bench-pressed 225 pounds 27 times, and most other receivers could only do a max of like 15. Um, he ran a 4'3", 40". He is just an absolute freak. But the only thing I would say is all those measurables are great. But if anybody plays Madden, there's always players like that on, like in the draft that have like this these amazing combine grades and measurables, but they turn out to be terrible when you draft them. And this could be a similar situation. You could have all the measurables in the world, the size, the speed the athleticism, but if you can't run a route or catch a football, then you're of no use. <laughs> like I'm not wasting a first round draft pick on a guy who is merely just a playmaker. Like I need him to be able to catch the football, run routes. I want traditional wide receivers. Obviously it's a bonus if you have all that, that athleticism and speed, but you need to be able to run a route and catch the football with your hands. So I'm interested to see Based on his combine, he's probably going to go pretty high, but he needs to be able to... I, I want to see tape on whether or not he can catch football, catch footballs, run good routes. That might be one of my players to watch for in the draft 
because he just absolutely destroyed the combine. And then another notable combine uh, statistic, Mississippi State defensive tackle Montez Sweat set a combine record for defensive linemen with a 4-4-1 40-yard dash. That's ridiculously fast for a defensive tackle. Unreal. That's faster than, you know, a lot of safeties, receivers. I believe that was faster than Odell, Tyron Matthew, and Patrick Peterson. So that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But if we take a look, I pulled up a CBS Sports. Actually, no, this is not CBS Sports. This is a Bleacher Report mock draft for 2019. I didn't really come up with a mock draft on my own because I'm just not well-educated yet on team needs and some of these players. But we're going to go through some of these picks. We're not going to go through the entire first round. But we'll go through maybe like the top 10 and just see how I'm feeling about where they have some of these players going. At number one overall, the Arizona Cardinals. Bleacher Report has them taking Kyler Murray. That's just a mistake. I don't think that's going to happen, number one. Although Cliff Kingsbury has stated that he loves Kyler Murray. But they have Josh Rosen, who's coming off a an okay rookie season. He wasn't great, but he's got promise. He throws a pretty ball. It would be a mistake to throw away Josh Rosen and his development for Kyler Murray, who we don't even know if he's going to be able to pan out. Yeah, he's got similar size measurements to Russell Wilson, but that doesn't mean anything. He's just so dinky. <laughs> I don't know. That's just that's a mistake when you already have a young quarterback in place. I see the Arizona Cardinals taking Nick Bosa instead, edge rusher from Ohio State, who seems to be the consensus number one pick right now. If the Arizona Cardinals don't take Nick Bosa, number one, they need an offensive lineman. Jonah Williams from Alabama, offensive tackle, would be a really solid pick. Um... So I like that for them. The San Francisco 49ers and this one, they have them taking Nick Bosa. I think that's possible, but if Nick Bosa is taken by the Cardinals, then they're going to need another edge rusher. Josh Allen from Kentucky, I think, comes to mind. Um, And he seems to be pretty good. Um, Let's just go through the rest of the top 10 here. Uh, The New York Jets... Josh Allen from Kentucky, edge rusher. The Oakland Raiders, Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle, Alabama. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jonah Williams, offensive tackle, Alabama. The New York Giants, Dwayne Haskins, quarterback out of Ohio State. Number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They take Clellan Farrell, edge rusher from Clemson. The Detroit Lions, Rashawn Gary, edge rusher from Michigan. A lot of edge rushers in the top ten. Number nine, the Buffalo Bills take Ed Oliver from Houston, a defensive tackle, who's a beast. Number 10, the Denver Broncos take Montez Sweat, edge rusher from Mississippi State. So that's your top 10. Um, 
like I said, a lot of this, I'm not really sure. I'd have to look at team needs. But I think absolutely the Cardinals need offensive tackle and or edge rusher. I would probably take offensive tackle because you need to be able to protect your quarterback. You can find edge rushers anywhere. Um, the Oakland Raiders taking Quinnen Williams, a defensive tackle. I don't see that happening. I think the Oakland Raiders are going to take Kyler Murray. John Gruden, I saw a report earlier today that he is the worst poker player among executives and coaches in the NFL. He just he shows his cards, and he has said that he is in love with Kyler Murray and his tape. I think the Oakland Raiders are going to get rid of Derek Carr, trade him for significant draft capital, and pick up Kyler Murray. That would be huge. And I see it happening. I think I think that's where Kyler Murray is going to end up. Dwayne Haskins, Haskins to the New York Giants I think is very likely if no one trades in front of them. Maybe the Jags trade in front. Or the Cincinnati Bengals potentially if they want to move off of Andy Dalton. The Miami Dolphins. Um... If we're going outside the top 10, number 13, the Dolphins take Drew Locke, quarterback from Missouri. I think he's the second best quarterback in the draft because he's got better size than Kyler Murray. Um, That's how I would rank him as Haskins, Locke, then Kyler. Um, The Redskins take Daniel Jones, quarterback from Duke. I've said this before. This smells like... Um, Paxton Lynch all over again because I had never heard of Paxton Lynch until draft the draft came around and I've never heard of Daniel Jones until the end of the college football season like I don't know who that is he's like 6'5 and 230 or whatever and he's got great size but so did Paxton Lynch and Paxton Lynch sucks so I don't know Um, going down the list uh, DJ Metcalf, the Baltimore Ravens take him. He's a receiver from Ole Miss that I talked about earlier. Um, and the Ravens, they do need a receiver because they let go of Michael Crabtree after one season, which doesn't make sense to me. Michael Trabtree's Michael Trabtree, Crabtree. I can't talk today. I really apologize, dear Lord Almighty. Um, and then number thirty-two. The New England Patriots take Noah Fant, a tight end out of Iowa. I think that's actually fantastic. Noah Fant is the best tight end probably in the draft. Maybe either him or TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa as well. They're both from Iowa, but they're both really good. I probably like Noah Fant better. Um, And with the New England Patriots probably having Gronk leaving potentially, he would be a good, good pickup because they don't really have a tight end outside of him. But I'll try and put together a mock draft. I may not do the whole first round on an episode, but I'll do maybe 10 picks an episode. We'll do the first 10, then the next 10, and then we'll do the last 12. Um, 
to get all 32 picks of the first round of the NFL draft for this year. Um, but those were just my initial thoughts on just some, on just the draft order. And this isn't taking into account the trades that are going to happen, that will happen in the first round, likely in the top 10. Um, but just some initial thoughts. I think Kyler Murray's going to the Raiders. It's either going to be Bosa or an offensive tackle to the Cardinals at one. Um, Dolphins need a quarterback. Drew Locke fits the bill. Dwayne Haskins to the Giants. I mean, yeah. And the Noah fan to the Patriots, I think that's perfect. Um, but we'll see what happens. And I'm going to make a mock draft for the first 10 picks next episode. And we'll dive into that and I'll do my research. So. All right, so the NBA, we're getting down to the wire. This is where the real season begins now after the All-Star break, trading deadline and everything. But I just want to say that the Los Angeles Lakers suck. They're absolutely terrible. They're on the verge of not making the playoffs And I don't think that's acceptable for a LeBron James-led team. LeBron has been in the playoffs for 13 straight seasons. He's been in the finals eight straight years. Now, obviously, no one expects LeBron to get to the finals. No one expected him to get to the finals this year, being in the Western Conference. you got to go through the Warriors and the Rockets and, and all these other teams. But I think everyone fully expected that this team would at least make the playoffs, maybe win a, a, a playoff series, depending on who you play. But LeBron's not even going to make the playoffs as an eight seed. He's sitting at 10th right now behind the Kings and the Clippers. And the Spurs have that. The Spurs are also uh, in front as well. I think holding on to that eight spot. Like, how do you how do you not make the playoffs? This team just doesn't. They're not playing well right now. They're not playing very well together. And. The reason why is because of LeBron James. And it's got nothing to do with LeBron's play. Right now, LeBron's the best player in the world. But LeBron destroyed this Lakers team. As soon as he went public about saying he wanted to play with with Anthony Davis, that was the start of it all. That was the start of of this team's demise. Now, I know he mentioned other guys too, but... It was clear that LeBron wanted to play with Anthony Davis, and that was evident in the trade talks. As soon as that went public and the media was able to to bite on that, make stories out of it, that just turned the tables for this Lakers team. And LeBron wanted to trade five guys or six guys for Anthony Davis. That's going to ruin any team's chemistry when six guys are on the chopping block. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have any confidence if I found out that I was going to be traded for Anthony Davis and five of my other teammates were going to be traded for Anthony Davis for one guy, five guys for one. I wouldn't have any confidence going out there and playing. Now, I know these guys are professionals and you know they get paid to do this and they go out and they're going to play, but it's going to affect your confidence a little bit. It's going to affect the way you play and your psyche. Like... No player can be able to just move on and just forget about it. I mean, I know it's a business, but that's going to 
It's going to affect you mentally. And right now the Lakers are not in a good spot. They are not in a good place. And it's because of LeBron James and what he's done to this team. I, I, I could honestly argue that LeBron is not even focused on basketball right now. He's doing so much. He's doing that million-dollar mile show with Tim Tebow. He's doing the shop. He's doing everything else in L.A. except playing, playing outstanding basketball and leading his team to victories. They lost to the Phoenix Suns the other day, who were last placed in the entire league. They're the worst team in the league, and they lost. If this team doesn't look like does doesn't make the playoffs and it looks like that's gonna be the case, LeBron James will no longer be the best player in the world. That title is gonna be taken over by a guy like Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, or Steph Curry. I think the overwhelming majority would be Kevin Durant. But regardless, LeBron James is not going to be the best player in the world after the LA Lakers miss the playoffs this season. All right, so that's it for today's episode, today's show here on a Monday, March 4th. Um, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Also, you can you know, follow me on there as well. Been a long two weeks, but I'm back. And this this week, I'm hoping to push another couple episodes out to kind of get caught up. Uh, I, I miss doing this. I'm glad I'm back. And really, once you know, once March is over, I should be more consistent because once the sales stuff is is done and over with. You know, March 15th is our deadline for all the sales stuff. And then we actually start planning the event that we're hosting. So if I can just get through that, then I should be a heck of a lot more consistent. Uh, but right now, just trying to get caught up and, and be better. So, um, But you, if you haven't been listening, obviously you can't today because, you know, we're on spring break. But... I have a two-hour show on WMCO 90.7 FM if you're in the New Concord area, which is, that's New Concord, Ohio. Um, you can also listen online, orbitmediaonline.com, Mondays 8 to 10, The Will Ford Show. Um, I don't get to talk about sports for the entire two-hour time period because I have to do some other things, uh, news, weather, got to play some music and stuff, but you can hear me talk about sports at 22 till the hour um, each each hour. And I'll also be interviewing members of the Muskingum men's baseball team from 8 to 8.30 for the Muskie Sports Blast. So be sure to catch me on Mondays from 8 to 10, the Will Ford Show on WMCO 90.7, the Orbit or on orbitmediaonline.com. So you can catch me on there and kind of get a, you know, a little bit of the podcast and then a little bit of some live air stuff. But yeah, that's it for me for today. We'll see you guys in episode 62. It's WFS. <laughs>